Talmor, Sheshin Mugachi. Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My grand says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a story glass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I study the secrets of the divine plagues and uncover the blasphemous truth that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, wherever podcasts are available. Lifetime original movies are a staple of any TV junkie's diet, and we take them very seriously. So seriously that we've dedicated an entire podcast to picking apart each and every one ever made. The stories, the actors, the stunning dialogue, the IMDb trivia, we're here to discuss it all with the appropriate mixture of reverence and humor, one movie at a time. I'm Molly McAleer, and this is Mother May I Sleep With Podcast. how to make an entrance. Miss Elizabeth Taylor and Mr. Richard Burton. They drink, they fight, they fornicate. I hate you. You just ended your fourth marriage? Oh, who's counting? Who's in deck? Sunday, November 25th. How long can this show run? Your life, your time. Okay, today we're doing Liz and Dick with John Levenstein. He picked the movie. John Levenstein, welcome to the show, and why'd you pick this movie? All right, thank you. I'd like to apologize. You gave me a choice of Lifetime movies. I remember this as being very entertaining when it was a cultural event a few years ago with Lindsay Lohan. And looking back, the movie is unbearable. It was my tweets at the time that were entertaining. No, it that's absolutely true. And I have to say my preparation for this film was, and normally I'll watch the movie like three or four times in a row. I'll do a ton of research on the actual thing. But for me, I decided to just watch um, the own docuseries, Lindsay, that she did right after she got out of rehab, which she went into right after doing this movie. Really? And because like, I couldn't believe, I mean... Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton had like serious drinking problems. Like it was very serious. They (laughs) They were never not drinking. Yeah. They both almost died a lot of times. Like I, I didn't understand that for me was like not tracking the alcohol much, but anyway, this whole Lindsay Lohan thing was so chaotic and 
I remember a lot of people trying to draw parallels to what their lives were at the time. But like the thing that's missing in Lindsay Lohan's life that very much, I mean, I don't know if you count Samantha Ronson as her Richard Burton, but like there's no great love. And like that is really what this story is all about is, is about a chaotic love situation. But I don't for me, what's missing with Lindsay Lohan is that Elizabeth <laughs> Taylor was a tremendous star. I mean, like when I was a kid, she was already a huge star. She was a huge star way after the fact she was no good anymore. She was terrible as an actress by the like the 80s. But still, if she walked into the room, that would be like a big star in that room. Lindsay Lohan never had that. I think what they do have in common that the movie tried to play up, one of the least entertaining parts of the movie was the birth of the paparazzi. And I think yeah. probably what they had to have played that up because that's what connects Lindsay Lohan to Elizabeth Taylor. It's not talent and it's not stardom. But there are also many like things throughout history that people try to attach the invention of the paparazzi or the paparazzi star to. Like it's a very, that's kind of like a, I, I mean, I don't know. Right. It always seems fake. And that was the beginning of the whatever, you know. Okay, so can we talk about how this movie, and we talk about a lot of time savers, I think, throughout this, because they did a lot of things to kind of fill the one hour and 42 minutes or whatever it is they needed to fill for this movie. The One of the time savers was like the very long credit sequence at the beginning that had every single person in the production's name listed next to a black and white still. Yes, uh, but also that credit sequence highlighted the role of the photographer it was all cameras and flash photography but right. they were hitting it hard yeah they were hitting it hard and like you don't really see that in movies anymore and i thought it was something that was you know maybe reminiscent of the time these people were relevant um i kind of liked that a little bit um font we have to pay attention to the font was like 76 percent perfect uh for a regular movie and the rest of it was just like that lifetime thing. Like all the things that said like produced by like the actual credit was in like a weird sci-fi sort of like, I would think it's like an early 2000s sci-fi font. So I like think just pay attention reason, to the font. I think one reason that the credit sequence is long is that I think there's a lot of ways this movie, as they're trying to show this glamorous lifestyle, actually cheaped out. And so yeah. a credit sequence you can create in post with a good editor, it's not that expensive. Yeah. Whereas shooting expensive sets is expensive. They wouldn't do it. Absolutely. No, you're right. This is like another. OK, so this is great. OK. Um, we're opening up on Elizabeth Taylor reading a magazine at the pool and the ad on the back of the magazine. I don't know if you notice this says nobody's lower than we are. Did you see that? No, I was not catching any nuance. This, this okay. I fell for you the moment I saw you all those years ago at a party in Hollywood. You were everything I ever wanted. And even when you looked at me with utter disdain, I still thought you were just luscious. So this is actually a true story that he had seen her nine years before they ever like met on Cleopatra at a pool. Right. And ha he had just done what? The robe? Or what had he just done at that point? What movie? I don't know. Like, there kind of was no BL on this movie before Liz for me. Like, I really don't know what he did before that. Like, I just thought he was a theater bro. Right? He'd also done... I feel like he had some big movie roles, and then he had a dip, and then he had a rise in popularity again. So if it was 1953, I think he was actually kind of big then for a while. Yeah, actually, because he was known as this, like guy that came in and would just like 
fuck every actress on set. Well, but also is like the natural successor to Olivier, you know? And so he died when they show in this movie, him doing Hamlet in 1964 or whenever that was, that wasn't the first time he was old for Hamlet. Then he'd had done Hamlet in the early fifties. Yeah. He'd been a celebrated stage actor, but you know, a tremendous drunk. It was a big problem with him. And as an actor along the way, he just got worse and worse. They had this crazy lifestyle. But wait, but in the beginning also, you're talking about the beginning of the movie. (laughs) Is that against the black background that we don't understand? Like, for a lot of this movie, they're in a void. Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor talking to camera. It's this artifice. It's actually a really good setup the way they do it. So we see the first time they ever see each other. It's the pool. Then we go into the last day of Richard Burton's life. And he's writing a letter to Liz on his deathbed. And he hands a letter to his maid. And he says, um, put this in the post. I'm going to take a nap. So he lies down. And then we go into like, as he's closing his eyes, we go into exactly what you're about to Like, this is when it starts. It's because he's starting to die. Okay, yeah. And I felt like um, that black backdrop with the two of them talking. Yeah. It was this weird budget saving thing again. You know, they didn't have money for a set. They put them in front of this void. They counted on the chemistry between the two actors, which it was almost worse in this movie when they had chemistry because it seemed so fake. Like when they were playing it sort of well, but you weren't buying it. Right, right. Well, I mean, I mean, I think that was both of them doing everything they could. Oh, they were working so hard. But when you mentioned the letters also, the the note at the end of the movie, I thought, was just like really damning the relationship with faint praise. It's like he dies. Elizabeth Taylor collapses. The movie's over. And here's what came across the screen. It was something like she saved the letters that he wrote to her for the rest of her life. Well, I mean, Who like... Who doesn't save letters? First of all, thanks for giving away the entire end of the movie. Well, but, like, everyone knows. I thought it was so bizarre because not only did it, like, fade in on them, but, like, then it was, like, them just, like, I don't, like not moving still shot and then they fade out and then it remains on the screen it is the longest it says elizabeth taylor kept richard burton's letters for the remainder of her life like cool if, and r- then what like they both died like, like tell me more Well, she died much later but like if right. you could include any piece of information that defined their love she kept <laughs> the letters <laughs> no. you're exactly right well the i mean the letters were apparently I guess this was, I don't know, did they release a book of his letters? I feel like that's what this was tied into. That's possible. I don't know. Because I guess, I don't know. I don't know. He's so, like, pompous, too. Like, constantly just, like, reciting Shakespeare to her. But also his writing was, like, so overwrought. And I'm like, can you chill for two? This wasn't that long ago. This is, like, the 1700s. Why are you talking like that? Yeah, and also, I mean, feel like the letters, a book of letters of his would be worthless because all he was known for <laughs> was his mellifluous speaking voice. So now you're going to read the dry text of this shitty writing? So we find out that they met during Cleopatra and um, originally I did some more research. Elizabeth, they were going to shoot this in London, but she like got sick from the weather and she, Lindsay Lohan delivers this line so weird. She says that um, she had to cancel the production to get a tracheotomy and she like holds her throat and I'm like, does that mean like facelift or like what was it an abortion? Like it it looked so much heavier than what it was, but what Lohan was doing was touching the small scar that Elizabeth Taylor had on her neck from her tracheotomy. And why did she have a tracheotomy? Um, because of the weather in London. Oh my God. But also the (laughs) way, the way she played that, it's like the way Lindsay Lohan touched her throat and then 
Richard Burton looks at her tenderly. It's like, what are we doing? Why is this a moment? And he bought her like a huge heart diamond to cover the scar. Oh, God. Um, so it says that um, she, oh, what she got was Asian flu. That's what they called it. <laughs> so then Burton was cast as the new Antony in the film. And um, right away, like. But was there an old Antony? Yeah, the first guy like couldn't do whoever it was that was originally cast. He couldn't do it anymore because the production went on a six month pause. Do we know who it was? Uh, Let me find out. It was. uh, That's I should know this. You know, I should have done some research, too. But um, he shows up at the set. I guess it's Mankiewicz is not that nice to him. Elizabeth Taylor is not that nice to him. He's an afterthought. Yeah. But he wouldn't be there if Elizabeth Taylor didn't want him. I mean, I guess not. Okay, wait. Uh, so yeah, this, this was a famously expensive production, right? This this version of Cleopatra. I think it's what got a studio head fired at Fox. Oh no, it was. This was actually the most expensive at the time. Like the the budget would equal like three hundred and forty four oh, million know, dollars. I, I think it's because of that movie. Also, like where Century City is now. That used to be part of the Fox lot, and they sold it after this movie because they were in such a hole. Yeah, because they had to completely rebuild the set in Rome, I guess. And so then they kept that set in Rome and like used it for a bunch of other things oh, as God. well because they were like, how do we justify this entire thing? Um, but she like like that was her like big role. Like she Cleopatra followed her to her 40, her 40th birthday party. Um, anyway, they like wind up completely falling in love on set. Let's just cut through it. It's really boring. They have like, they're at a dinner and they're having like a, you know, saying shitty things to each other off. And like, it's very flirty and they're obviously going to like start hooking up soon. You know, Evo, I had the misfortune of meeting the rudest actress today who walked away in the middle of my sentence. Obviously incapable of recognizing a Shakespearean pause because... I said to her, has anyone ever told you you're a very pretty girl? And I paused, and she walked away. Before I could add, well, they would be a fool. You are not a pretty girl, though you once were. You are now a beautiful woman, with the depths of the ocean in your violet eyes and the promise of a ripe plum, and your soft, firm lips and your spilling, white-hot bosom. But of course, she didn't get to hear the damn word of that. He's been... That voice. Well, I'm glad that's over. So, can we talk about Sybil? Yeah, but before that, like, I found all the ways that they would insult each other. Like, yeah, he shows up, he's boorish with her, she doesn't like it, they're insulting each other. It was all played so cartoony. Like, they never have any in-between moments. They're either brawling and insulting each other or they're making out in public. But, like, it all seemed too extreme to me, you know? Well, there was – I mean, if we're just going to get into it, like, his – they both love to call each other fat. Like, this is why I could never – I can't – I can't date actors. I can't. I don't – like, the conversations about body image constantly – she subtly called him gay like several times throughout the film, which oh, I'm did like, she really? Yeah, well, like on the boat when he was saying like, if you ever touch that photographer's hand, she's like, well, if I ever catch you touching his hand, uh, oh. and then uh, there was one oh when she called him like a thespian, she hit it really hard one time oh, and rolled right. her eyes, but which she I said th- with a B, she said thespian. Yeah, and that might have been a. I think that was an acting choice. Really? And, uh, I do think that was I a think, choice. You know what I thought that was? <laughs> I think at some point the director said that's as good as it's gonna get guys 
moving on. Because, like, also, what are the on the own series? By the way, Lindsay got to keep the Elizabeth Taylor cigarette case, which is great because she does smoke that much. But um, the drinking was phenomenal. Like, the, we see that the day after this whole thing happens, Sybil, who's Burton's like loyal wife, who has dealt with her like husband fucking all these people in the press for years. Um, she finds out that Burton got super wasted after dinner the night before, couldn't even walk. He needed to be on set in 10 minutes. Um, and she hears from his brother, like, what's his name? E4. She talks to him and he's like, what's going on? He's like, oh, Elizabeth Taylor ignored him at dinner last night. So Sybil's like, okay, my husband's going to fuck Elizabeth Taylor. And then he gets to set the next day and he's so hungover. He can't even deliver like one line. And, uh, Elizabeth Taylor's like, oh, I know my kind. And so she's like, we're going to take a break. And she brings him into her set and she's like, or her trailer. And she's like, here's some vodka. And they just sit there and drink straight vodka together. And he's like, you know, I can't drink alone. She's like, no, I've been drinking all morning. It's like the darkest thing ever. And like they started drinking at 8 a.m., like straight vodka. It took me a while to realize that that wasn't a butler. Richard Burton's brother. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. E four. Well, like, where, where the fuck are they from? Like, it's like Switzerland, Wales. Sweden, I Wales. I too mean- many houses, but yeah, there's all these support people. It's crazy too. Like, you could be if you're a movie star, then you've got seven people following you around. You have a butler. Like that was crazy. Okay, it looks like the person who left was Stephen Boyd, so that Richard Burton could come in. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it took me a while to figure out who that was, and then yeah, they played it that scene where he shows up hungover. She takes him to her trailer supposedly to run run lines but gives him a drink instead they played it as like a, almost like a meet cute like oh isn't that nice that they're getting along and then at the end he's like aren't we gonna run lines and she says i don't think we have to run lines anymore i think i think you got what you needed right. a little a little drink a little conversation and then well then he like is basically like is there anything else i can do which is like also like what do you want like a hundred dollars like what is this in exchange for it was so weird this is basically liz freaking out saying like if julie andrews wouldn't fuck you like oh is this so he so he hits on her again in the trailer right yeah she she tries to be nice to him he hits on her in the trailer do you see that as her trying to be nice to him or really like her being like this is my next kill when she's giving him the alcohol like the entire just like I'm warming up to you. I see you're a vulnerable drunk. Like you have money. Like your wife Sybil is obviously a pushover. You've like boned half of Hollywood. Like, do you think Elizabeth Taylor is like the ultimate snake? No, I because I she had money too. I feel like it was it partly played at first. Like she actually wanted him to do a good job. Like she realized she didn't like him. He was being boorish. But she had some sort of professional responsibility because they're playing lovers. She can't just be mean to him. Right. You know, so I feel like there was this line back and forth where on some level she was doing what she had to do to establish chemistry. But then we go too far. Then she really was attracted to him. Then he would act boorish again. If I'm not mistaken, I think you might need a little bit of this. Vodka. Here's the dog. Yeah, I need the dog's whole coat. That bad? Won't you join me? I have heard it said it's bad to drink alone. I already am. Though not quite so much vodka. So, should we run those lines? Oh, no, I think we'll both be fine now. So is there anything else I can do for you? Is that what you thought? 
Another notch on the belt? Please. I've heard all the stories of the Welsh Don Juan. All the leading ladies except Julie Andrews. Well, if she can resist you, then so can I. Oh, you misunderstand. You're quite safe with me. I never go after dumpy women. Oh, my God. It was fascinating that he called her dumpy. Yeah, they loved it. And then also, you know, the thing about when she's saying Julie Andrews is the only one who didn't go for you. Yeah. He was in Camelot with her on Broadway just before this. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That doesn't hit with me. But like, what does that mean to you? I had forgotten that he was a stage star. So for all the talk about how he never won Oscar, like. I'd forgotten that he won a Tony Award as King Arthur in Camelot. I just didn't remember that. Well, like, that's why I actually thought there was some sort of beauty to this, because there was, like, an equity in their relationship where, like, at one point, Liz is like, you know what? If we have to get out of Europe and we have to go back to the States, let's avoid Los Angeles, go to the theater, you're going to do Hamlet, babe. (laughs) And, like, they did it together. But that's where also I feel like it was a weird scene when he shows up to do Cleopatra and she's acting like almost like she doesn't know who he is. Like, the director's dream like in no way, uh, like a nobody. Okay, this guy just won a Tony Award. He's the biggest (laughs) star on Broadway. He, he, He had some sort of nickname, like the king of Broadway. The theater and the musical theater in the United States was a big deal in the 60s. I don't believe he would have been treated like that. Like that, all of that rank false movies, but it was sort of because they wanted to establish movement of narrative. I can't believe he was greeted in that way. No, it's weird. It is weird. But like once they get past their weirdness, when it's on, it's on. And like he gives her this great speech in in the bed on their love scene day. Um, And like, I don't know. First of all, I can't tell if he's a weird kisser or Lindsay Lohan's a weird kisser. Like I couldn't decide throughout the movie. It just didn't look right. It looked weird. But also he seemed like 30 years older than her. I did the math. It's actually like 15, but it was like he he looked much older than her. I did not think he was a good actor at all. That guy. Oh, you don't. You didn't think he was good. No. (laughs) And I think the kissing is probably also it's like they're both wearing so much makeup. It's like it's gross. Right. There's probably some they're going in, they're playing the part, and at the last second there's some human tentativeness because the whole thing is just disgusting. Yeah. Lohan's like wig throughout this entire stage of the movie was so like it looked nappy right. and weird and gross to me. It looked heavy. Yeah. And the eyelashes rough. and the makeup, it's just an unbelievable amount. So you're almost not kissing a person, you know? Yeah, she didn't go extra enough, too, because, like, when Liz Taylor did Cleopatra, like, her cat eyes, like, they went all the way up to her eyebrows. Like, she just didn't, like, she there. She should have gone heavier for Cleopatra right. because then she continued with the heavy eye throughout the movie. Just was wrong to me. But anyway, like, Cleopatra was a big role for Liz Taylor, but as far as her being a star, just backing up for a sec, the, her first huge thing was National Velvet. That movie was a big phenomenon when she was a teenage girl. A Place in the Sun was a huge movie. Like, a lot of our mothers, that's their touchstone romantic movie. You know? Elizabeth Taylor and Montgomery Clift. She'd already been in Cat in a Hot Tin Roof by then. Like, so she's had huge performances. No, she was, she's been in 29 films. Like, uh, almost, basically. 20, this is her 27th film. So, um... Oh, back at like, you know, there's like a little bit of pillow talk between them. We find out that Liz's nickname for Richard is stupid and his nickname for her is Dumpy. Um, And then back in Hollywood, the studio heads are freaking out because like the pictures of Taylor and Burton are all over the papers. Um, Again, this is when they tried to invent the paparazzi in this movie. Um, And then we do in the confessional. That's what we're calling it. Like the real world, the confessional. Liz and Dick playfully remember that their affair was one of the first covered by the media. 
Um, and then, oh, this is great because I have a crush on the guy that played Eddie Fisher. So I'm like very excited about this part of the movie where we get to talk about him because he's very like I have a crush on him. He's my crush from this movie. Um, <laughs> Fine. I'll take Sybil. And then Sybil's great. Like she's great, actually. And by the way, she maintained her dignity at the end. And actual Sybil lived longer than any of these people. And she had a great career in the American theater, which apparently you're a huge fan of sure um so it's good crush so then um oh Oh, but the the paparazzi but the thing about losing control of the photos yeah that's a big thread from this point on and how the studios used to have control of the photos they used to have control of pr and now there's this scene here they're called the paparazzi fellini called them that yeah 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 (laughs) so many so many inventions of the paparazzi but then so she says um she's like liz basically laughing in her confessional and she's like i already have this reputation for like ruining eddie and uh, debbie reynolds marriage which like i had no idea debbie reynolds like what a catch i mean that says like I okay we talked about this before but like you didn't understand like how everyone raved about Liz Taylor's beauty like twenty years past they right. should have probably I'm just saying stopped. yeah Liz Smith was still writing that Liz Taylor is stunning in 1995 anytime she went out <laughs> and it was just objectively not true <laughs> but. I didn't know she was like, leave Debbie Reynolds hot. Well, I think not just that, but also because they were both beautiful women. I think Liz Taylor was considered to be more of the bad girl. And so like whatever the truth may have been, it was like Eddie Fisher was leaving the good girl for the bad girl in America's eyes, I guess. I don't I, I don't think I have a crush on him anymore because like and then yeah, that makes me just feel that makes me feel bad for Eddie. That's really sad, Eddie. Um Well where was Carrie Fisher? How old was she? Non existent, I don't think. I think she did exist. You do? I mean I mean maybe. Let's see. I guess she had to have, yeah, right? I was on this early. That's a whole other story. Okay. Yeah, they have so many kids, dude. They had four kids, I think. Later, there's this thing with the paparazzi, too, where Liz is complaining that it's an ugly picture of her. They used to just they used to just print the beautiful pictures. Yes. When did they stop printing the beautiful photos? I know the headline was Cleopatra. Oh, it was dark. That's not nice. No, it's not nice. Um, She was born on October 21st, 1956. Yeah, so she was around. She yeah. Was a kid. So who knows? Carrie Fisher was probably like, honestly, that's why I felt bad. They didn't even give Roberts one kid, Kate. Like, they didn't even give her lines. Like, she had one weird line where I was like, are we supposed to take from this that she's deaf or something? Like, she walked into the room, interacted with her father, and left without saying a word. <laughs> and, like, I know they just didn't want to pay the child actor yeah. to say the line, but, like, it was, uh, it was weird. Um, there was a lot of, like, disregard for the kids. It reminded me of when I grew up in L.A., like, the old money families in Hancock Park where the teenagers just ran wild. Yes. Like that's what Liz and Dick's family was like. That's that sounds exactly right. I mean, they weren't they were very worldly though, dude. Like the way they traveled was nuts. I was jealous. I had travel envy. Oh, I was not jealous. It did not seem relaxing to me. It was so there was the yacht, there was the house in Switzerland, and it was like they would also do it for these cheap scene transitions. Like a scene would end 
I miss the snow, so let's open up the house in Switzerland. <laughs> Switzerland is a stupid cut. It means nothing. They got All you're doing is changing Africa houses. The second time. Oh, That's Africa. cool. I liked when they were swinging in Africa. Like They never were like really <laughs> swinging like in India and Africa with the Beatles, were they? I, don't, I mean, I didn't really read... I didn't really read that from the situation. I think they probably would have had like a beetle in the background at right. the wedding or something. But they're like almost, they're almost, you know what I mean? Because some of those celebrities were at that point, like hanging out with the rock stars, I think maybe a little more than Liz and Dick were at that moment in time. Like Liz later was with Michael Jackson. Yeah. Well, at the end of the party situation, like would you remember in the 70s, like where, where they're like kind of leaving the yacht, Liz is definitely wearing like more of a disco oriented outfit and she's playing the radio. Yeah. yeah. Is that where Richard's just sick of it? Yeah. Richard's like reading his Blackbeard script. We're telling Oh this, we're telling this movie into a circle, but I think that this is the way. This okay, movie no, keep was going, meant. keep going, because no, I was I not paying full attention. To I it. think we should. No, look, honestly, I have to tell you, I think our audience will understand if they've seen this movie. This is a wild movie. You can't discuss it in a linear fashion. It's bizarre, uh, and there's so much like pop culture just that's more fun than everything that happened in the actual movie. So wait, were Liz and Michael Jackson like together? No, what they were just, they were good friends. No, they oh, were they good were just friends. Like pals. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm okay. saying that like I'm saying Elizabeth Taylor was good pals with Michael Jackson later, and that's why you could have bought if she and Richard Burton had been hanging out with the Beatles or Stones in the '60s. Oh, you know right, I mean? right, 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 right. Because there is the period in Liz and Dick where they have that more swinging style. Both when they're on the swinging, yacht and totally when they're in swinging. Africa, right? Yeah, there was totally like did she used to go like you know Liza or in the '70s like Liza Minnelli would go to Studio 54. Would Liz Taylor go there? Um, studio. I mean, I don't know. Maybe let's just look it up. But I have a fun fact okay. about Liz Taylor and Michael Jackson. I have two actually. One, I want you to know that in 1993, Liz Taylor threw Michael Jackson his very first Christmas. He had never had one before because he was raised a Jehovah's Witness. And when he when he left, there's this little four minute documentary that we will post on the website about his first Christmas with Liz and like the way that she decorated his house, like Christmas tree in every room. It was like the Ramsey's house on crack. Oh my like, God. They, it was like wild. There was like little stuffed animals everywhere. It's just like in, in the way she woke him up and he was wearing like his like red oversized blouse and like fedora look like on Christmas morning, his very first Christmas. This came in from a person from Snapchat, I guess she wrote, my sister also says that Michael Jackson. Sorry, she says, my sister also says that Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson once kept Liz Taylor waiting at the Beverly Hills Hotel for lunch one day because he was on the phone with Jackie O in his car. Liz waited forty-five minutes for him to show, waited for him to sit down, and then left. Perfect, right? Like she was teach. I think she was teaching him. Like I took you under my wing, you little shit. Yeah. Like, you don't disrespect me, especially not for Jackie O, because like, what what order did it come in? Like, Jackie married Onassis after Taylor dated him briefly? I think so. I think when Elizabeth Taylor in this movie went on the date to with Onassis to make Richard Burton jealous. Yeah. That's before Jackie was with Aristotle. Okay. So she I kind of is like, why are you talking to like... Yeah. That bitch. I think also there was stuff I think in Frank Langella. I think Frank Langella dated Elizabeth Taylor at one point. Like she was older than him, but I'm pretty sure there's something in his memoir about dating Elizabeth Taylor. Was he like the young kind of like cute guy that accompanied her to the hospital when she thought she had colon cancer? 
I don't know. I, I, he was a stage actor. I, don't, I He was never married to her. I lose track of the later history. It got so trash. I mean, she was doing Flintstones movies at the end. I mean, it was really, it was really wild. I read like a um, twenty-five things you don't know about me, um, Liz Taylor. Uh, there was, <laughs> it was weird and so weird. Hold on, I don't. It's probably not going to be funny anymore. Um, <laughs> now you've got to deliver, though. Okay, twenty-five. This is the 25th thing you don't know about her. It's the last one. My family and people with HIV AIDS are my life. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> what a weird way to word that. I mean, also, yeah, are some of the things more factual? Like 25 things you don't know about her. Are any of them just like objective facts? Um, no, they're, they're, they're hers. Like, do you remember that Facebook thing that went around and everyone could figure out, like, everyone could, like, write down 25 things about them? Oh, God. She talked about how that. she converted to Judaism in 1959, but, like, there was no follow-up on that. That she, must have been to be with Eddie Fisher. I guess so. And then she says, I didn't go on a date until I was 16, uh, which... Right. Those are all factual. Whatever. Uh, she says, my legs are too short. That's not a fact. Oh, Liz. Um, I never faced the day without perfume. Um, I love blood orange juice. My very first memory is of pain. That's another good one. I like laughed in my Uber. Is that a, is so, is of pain. It's of pain. Her first memory is of pain. I'll text it to you, hon. It's that's not ben- very specific. I know, but like the fact that she would put that in print, like my first memory is of pain. Like that sounds like it could be a handful of things. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh. I'm sincerely not worried about getting old, which is not what we saw in the film. Um, I don't know. She was worried. The problem in the movie was that she stopped working at 40. So she was definitely concerned about gaining weight. And and clearly it became a thing where his, and I hadn't remembered this, that his career was doing better at one point than hers, which is why he was taking these shitty movies like Blackbeard. And when he took that movie, he was drinking a lot of alcohol in that movie. Yeah, he had been sober for a while, but then E4 died. And and like when she went to set to try and get him back for the last time, like he was like, can you get my brother back? And like oh he God. was like fucking wasted and like openly cheating on her. Yeah. That was before she started baiting him with the Aristotle thing. But hold on. She oh. also says, by the way, she hates being called Liz because it sounds like a hiss. Oh, Liz. But look, OK, but before that. Why was he such a baby about the Oscars? There's all these scenes before E4 ever dies, right? That's why you don't date an actor, because that's why. Oh my god! Like, literally, it's the saddest fucking. I couldn't believe it. I've so basically, so they go, and he loses for the spy who came in from the cold, and it's like he's sitting there at the Oscars with her, and all these things again. The production values for shit. This is not a good looking scene, but they're sitting in the audience. He's nominated for spy who came in from the cold. There's some worthy competition, but they announce the winner. Lee Marvin for Cat Ballou. He claps politely. Later, Lee Marvin. He can't believe it. Lee Marvin. He's disgusted. Now, the next year, they're both nominated for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. He won't even go. She understands. We'll have a party at home. But no, Liz, you should go. They love you. Maybe you'll win again. No, we're going to stay at home because you're a baby and you can't even go to the Oscars because you might lose for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Yeah, and guess what? He did, and that's what you get for being. But like, who cares a if you asshole. lose? And then he loses to Paul Schofield, I guess. And it's like he can't be. I should have that. stayed on the stage. He's a serious stage actor, and I'm doing this shit to 
support the family. And now my brother's dead. I'm going to do Blackbeard. I'm going to drink three bottles. But I guess that's just like, you know, finger pointing. I mean, he definitely put himself in this entire situation. Like, let's go back and think that if like he had done the right thing and not completely humiliated his wife for years, maybe spared her the pain of ever having married her. That probably would have been a nice thing to do. Poor Sybil. Not like develop this crazy drinking problem. Maybe not go back to whatever in his childhood it was that made him not want to be an actor. Like, I think that he something I I think that this is all on Richard, man. He's just like and this is this is why this is a good lifetime movie, because it makes you sympathetic with a situation where these people are clearly both very toxic. Yeah, I mean, it's really not one better than the other. I especially don't like the scenes where they're getting along, like the sort of scene where it's a, they're about to shoot something. Where'd they go? And they're, they're like driving a convertible to the countryside, like a couple teenagers or whatever. It's like, I'll buy that they're getting along. You don't need to show me that. You don't need to show me like them delightedly escaping from the set together. No, like, I know. Exactly. This was like when you realize that the paparazzi has no bounds and then they like, shot a picture of her ass when she was in the pool. But like there's this point where he and Liz are like on this love affair. They're like going nuts together and they're outside of the jewelry store where he has just bought her that very famous wow. emerald and diamond necklace. And the paparazzi is like, is it true your ex-wife killed herself? And they're like, Sybil killed herself, killed herself. And they're like doing it like broken English. Yeah. And um, he leaves Liz. He's like, I got to go home and figure some stuff out. Um, And I think that, um, well, no, he's like, we got to go. I got to go home and figure some stuff out. And she is like, all right, I love you. So like, this is the other thing with Liz too. She has no patience and she always wants more. You can tell she's never been told no in her fucking life. Right. So like, if she has to wait three days for something, that's like four days too long. So she um, gets the response from him. He's like, dude, I need to work on this. I need to go. I need to figure shit out with my wife. And she's like, fine. So she goes immediately to her room, takes an entire bottle oh, the pills. of pills, chases it with vodka. Then he takes her to the hospital. Then she sends the doctor out to do her bidding. And she's like, he's like, she's going to live, but she doesn't want to see you anymore. Um, but they still haven't even finished filming Cleopatra, which to me, I was like, you guys, like, just chill until the movie's oh over. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Do you remember this? Do you have anything lined up? I think I need a break. A long break. Me too. And? You mean Sybil? It will be hard, but she's agreed to try again. Elizabeth, you already knew that. So you've come to rub my face in it then, have you? It's for the children, Elizabeth. I can't do it to the children. You knew you could never leave them. You were playing. I was just another notch. And like, that is the conversation right when they're out of the trailer. They're in the trailer after they filmed the final scene. Elizabeth like lets her talk and like, he's basically just like, dude, like I can't leave my wife for you, Elizabeth Taylor. And like, that's her big final meltdown. Right. So yeah, we're going backwards now, but that's when he made his one stand for his wife. Sybil tries to kill herself. He goes back to Sybil. Liz tries to kill herself. That doesn't matter. I have to stand by Sybil. But they did end up getting back together. Yeah, they get But this back- clip you're going to play is when he's making the stand for Sybil, right? Yeah, when he's in the trailer, just because I feel like it's important to note that like these idiots didn't even wait till the movie was over to like get to Ugh. the point where they were openly cheating on their spouses with each other. Like at least 
like Brad and Angelina it and like wait till it's kind of in the press for people to like be really talking. Mm-hmm. By the way, like you, you've worked in Hollywood for a long time. I need to ask you, did you know that Charlie Sheen had AIDS way before everyone else? No. HIV. Okay. Because everyone, whenever someone's like well-known Hollywood secret, I'm like, I feel like I know enough people that should have told me that if it's a well-known Hollywood secret. There was a there was a secret in the last few years that I was really proud of knowing and keeping, and I can't remember what it was now. It'll come back to me, but I did not know that one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, why would you? That's kind of a dark one to know. So they do get back together. They they reconnect in um, I guess like Stadt or something. And um he drops her her mom drops her off for coffee, which I thought was really weird because Liz's mom is her basically her momager, and that's maybe the one parallel to Lindsay there is. Right. Where it's like her mom is just dropping her off at a cafe, being like, Do you want me to wait here? And she's like, No, 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 go home. Like her mom is facilitating her, like fucking the person that's probably the worst for her throughout this yeah. entire movie, which I was like, dude, that's like very gross like i can't imagine my mom dropping me off for a booty call like that's crazy why why did liz love jules so much her mom liz oh oh like oh why jules. did she, oh, why did she like, need the like, why did she need the ring like everyone says she was a romantic but like with richard it's really like a ring would go great on that finger like she really wanted the diamonds right she said something like um in the movie she said uh it's always about the jewels. It's just by the time that the men figure that out, you already have them all. And it's like, you know what? Look, I think this is, again, this is feeding into the part where I say, like, she saw him drunk and vulnerable. She knows he's just, like, at the end of the day, like, she can't deny that he's attractive or something. And, like, he is obviously a successful man that's, like, been with many successful women. And so she, her ego goes into overdrive, and I think she targeted him. I thought she got everything right. she needed out of Eddie Fisher, and she was ready to move on. Right. Like, this is why it's, like, we got to ride that thin line, because by the end of the Jodi Arias movie, like, I now am, like, I now believe Jodi Arias is innocent. Like, I... Oh, my God. I, how seriously, like, these movies affect my opinion of these women. I have to remember, Elizabeth Taylor is kind of, like, a a, a man-eater. Yeah, and there, there were those, those times, I think one of the times also that she was taking shots at Richard Burton like he was gay was... uh when she was saying he could play George and who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. And it's also possible that he was yes. just, it's also possible that he was just impotent because he was drinking all the time. Yes. I actually, I think that's true. That's she did throw the, she threw the gay remark out when the guy came to the guy who wrote. North Ernest North Lehman. That was ridiculous. It was yes. that guy from sex in the city who played that like weak boyfriend, husband on sex in the city. What was his name? Steve. Yeah. So now Steve. he's Ernest Lehman. Saying, like, I've got a part for you. Oh, suddenly you're the director, Ernest Lehman? I think this is up to Mike Nichols, not you, Ernest Lehman. I'm not sure, but that's what I think. (laughs) That's probably right. They did a lot of shorthand like that. But she does, like, she does say something that kind of, like, they get into a fight in front of him. Yeah. supposed to, like, charm him. We love to fight. Um, And she does. She questions his masculinity in a weird way in that, too. You're right. What was going on? But they were constantly having sex. You know what, though? Also back then, I don't even know. In the 60s and 70s, I feel like, and this was a British thing for some reason, too. 
all these guys were doing poppers. And so, like, the reason that Peter Sellers had heart trouble, I believe, had something to do with poppers. And he was warned you can't keep doing poppers. So, like, whatever the hell poppers are, it's like, well, Richard Burton was probably drinking and doing something else to perform. But in the meantime, he's his body is falling apart. Yeah, that's that's wild to think poppers. I was wondering what Liz was like trying to kill herself with in her bedroom. And I was like, what kind of good meds did they oh. have back then? And I was like, they had the best meds yeah. back no, then. No, she wasn't trying to kill me? herself with poppers. But like no, doctors. No, but I mean, I'm yeah. just saying. Oh, doctors were so loose back then about prescribing speed. Like all, everyone had diet pills. But also the downers, they would prescribe anything. You know, that's the weird thing. It's like, I know it's not good and it's a very bad part of me that thinks that, but I'm just like, I just want to live in a time that the prescriptions were fast and loose, that no one had AIDS, that like you could just go do a ton of blow and like your life was fine. Like, that'd be really cool. Sure. Usually there's a price to pay at some point. I mean, yeah, sure. But like if you're, you know, this is this is I found the difference between me and a lot of people is that, you know, I can just imagine how great that would be. Um, That's very that's a scary thing for me to say out loud. Uh, But his brother, E4, is like basically furious with him throughout this entire thing. And we'll go back to when he does not go to the Oscars with her. Yeah. We have to jump forward because we've been doing so. We're going to probably jump back again. This is crazy podcast. So um, his brother's like, dude, I thought that you were too good for her, but she is too good for right. you. And this is when he says like, no, no, no. He doesn't even say anything like that. He's like, Elizabeth is like, great. You can't be there for her. You're too busy moping. And then Richard's like, can't you see? I'm afraid I'm not enough for her. And I'm like, you don't feel that, Richard. Like, you don't even know, like, how you're not that in, aware of your emotions. Like, you're so in your feelings right now about your Oscar. <laughs> you are not, like, that is some, like, work that out six yeah. years in therapy. Oh like, that's. But if, yeah, so if for at first, he's warning, he's furious when Elizabeth Taylor shows up, he's protective of Richard, then they're together, and then he's on Elizabeth Taylor's side. And there was that whole part in the middle of the movie where they were implying, wow. Elizabeth Taylor's really good for Richard Burton. They're good for each other. This is working, right? Like around when he was doing Hamlet in New York or something. Yes. Yeah. Those, that, those are weird scenes too, just because I wasn't buying it for a second. You know? I mean, I liked that like she, I mean, this is what I think is great too, is because when you're dating or like married to someone and like completely in love, like everything they do is fabulous. Like you're like, that is so great. That is so amazing. And like looking back on Elizabeth Taylor, who was like bored by sitting in a yard with her own children, like watching her boyfriend practice Hamlet, like being completely enraptured by the whole situation. Like what the fuck? Like you, they must've really loved each other. If any of that went down, anything like that, that she must have been obsessed with him right and her saying to him that like she couldn't tell him anything about stage acting and him saying he learned screen acting from her like that part of it i kind of bought yes okay so speaking of buying things richard bought them a yacht earlier in this because they can't afford anything in their entire life like their accountant basically and where are they they're in mexico or something right portofino right now yeah they're in puerto vallarta and then the accountant shows up and he's like you know, we have no money left. You're broke. The only thing that we can do at this point is um, 
you can take the movie The Comedians, which he was being offered $750,000 yeah. for. And he was like, I don't want to do it. It's a stupid movie. Besides, it's with Sophia. And like, um, Sophia Loren is like a soft spot for Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. And um, she's like, tell them I'll do the movie. Sophia doesn't have to do it, which I thought was like very interesting that she, like, they could step in on each other's careers like that. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I guess it sold more tickets, but like, did it really? Like, for the, it was for the sacrifice of what could have been a better film. What would the comedians have been with Sophia Loren? Right. They didn't make a lot of successful movies together, Burton and Taylor. No, it's very like um, kind of Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. But why'd they end up on the boat? Like, that was another just cut points. Like, so I have uh, prepared some statements. Yeah, well, skip the paperwork. Out with it, man. Give it to me straight. Don't be mean to Bernard. He works hard for us. I don't dispute it. It's just that when it is good news, he sends a telegram. And when it's bad news, he slinks in like an undertaker. Bernard, ignore him. Tell me. Since Richard wants it straight, you're broke. Only here I was thinking it was something serious. How can we be broke? How is that possible? That's everything. But if Richard takes the comedians... Comedians? When were you offered that role? I'm turning it down. Richard, they offered you three quarters of a million. But it's with Sophia. Uh, screw Sophia. I will do it. Already asked. They can't afford you. Well, I'll cut my fee in half. Tell them I'll do it for half a million. Will we be all right then? For a while. But after taxes, hotels, uh, travel, staff. And we need more staff for security. The paparazzi have found us. More staff. Now, if you were any kind of a manager, Bernard, you'd be able to find us somewhere where we never had to pay any taxes and where the damn photographers would never find us. <laughs> now you're asking the impossible. The only place you two will get any peace and quiet is in the middle of the bloody ocean. I can't write. Cut to a boat. Oh, Jesus. And this is great, too, because basically, like, Richard has also, like, his his pet name besides uh, Dumpy for Elizabeth Taylor, he's like, you're my ocean. He always refers to her as her, his ocean, which is, like, kind of gross when you think about it. Um, but he buys them a yacht because they can live in the middle of the ocean tax-free. People allegedly can't take pictures of them there. Um, Richard is surprised to see that Liz has hired a photographer to follow them around. Just, like, personal shots for the family. Damn and blast. I thought we got a yacht to get away from the press. But he's not press. He's my photographer. My photographer? What are you? Note and date? Royalty? There's probably been more photographs taken of you than anyone else on Earth. Why would you want more? Because his are beautiful. No. You are beautiful. He just knows how to point a camera. Will you stop that? He doesn't speak English, Richard. Trust me, understood that. Are you jealous? Why, should I be? No, of course not. Because if you so much as stroke his hand, I'll never speak to you again. Same goes for you. Bit young for you, isn't he? Stop Skinny it. too, you'd all but flatten him. Oh, I'd be careful, Richard. We could stand to lose a few pounds. Yes, but at least mine doesn't all pool in my fingers, Miss Pudgy Digits. What? Dude, like he always calls her fat and she always alludes to her him being gay. Like why? They love to fight. But like, do you think there was something gay about him? Like I can under like what or do you think that I that think, was just like your No, gay? I forget his history. There may have uh, you'd have to look it up. I don't remember. There may have been something, but also I think like things weren't as well publicized back then anyway, you know? But don't you figure like a lot of actors and actresses in the 30s, 40s and 50s had same-sex affairs? Absolutely. 
But I mean, so like she must have known it was a soft spot for him because like to me being called fat, I'm like, dude, that is like an assault on my being. And like the best she could do was like, you're gay. Like, <laughs> I guess. Well, because again, those guys, if, if it was happening, it was all, uh, it, it was hidden, you know, so it would have been a soft spot in terms of like publicity. He wouldn't want it to come out. You know what I mean? Right. Oopsie. Oopsie. I'm not crying. I'm trying not to stick you with a knife in your fat, fluffy well, stomach. Well, knife away. Throw me overboard. Don't feel my pudgy hand now. Hey, they, these are yeah. not pudgy hands. They are fat and they're pudgy. Love these hands. Are you sure? One thousand percent. Do you want to make them beautiful? But they are beautiful. Do you want to make them more beautiful? I need a ring. A big ring. Like, it turns out to be the Burton, the Taylor, Burton Taylor diamond. That's what they call it now to this day. It's a 93 carat diamond. I guess 20 carats, and I looked it up. It was a 93 carat diamond. <laughs> it cost, um, I guess, a, uh, 1 million. $50,000, which is, is like great. Is that the one where he outbid Onassis? Onassis and Cartier. Right. And Onassis just shrugs. At, at a million. At the Onassis auction. is like, nah. oh, sorry. Hi. I woke up your dog. Um, but yeah, so the ring is delivered by a man on, on, the pla- on a plane with a briefcase cuffed to his arm, which I thought was like one of the more ambitious scenes that they tried to like intercut this with them partying on their yacht and the ring is delivered. And. <sighs> Liz is greeted with the ring and she says to everyone like Richard said I have fat fingers so I made him get something to offset it which like another weird thing to admit in front of all your friends yeah like- that's not love <laughs> I, again I feel like a lot of these scenes were cheap so somehow they got that yacht but like even that trailer that they shot all those scenes in was not that nice a trailer like I remember when they were doing the Netflix version of Arrested Development, that trailer was on the Culver Studios lot. And like, it wasn't nice or anything. They were shooting a bunch of scenes in that trailer. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, they did a lot of uh, like tchotchkes and stuff like that, I feel, that were thrown around to make <laughs> it look like, oh, she's here so yeah. much. Um, which is, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I can't comment on that. But back to poor E4, because E4, um, who is his brother, is like disgusted by their spending. And they're basically at a place where Richard has bought her this ring. And now Elizabeth wants to go to um, their Switzerland house for Christmas because she doesn't feel like it's Christmas anymore. And E4 and Robert get there. And like, he, why do I keep calling him Robert? Richard. Richard, <laughs> Stephen, every time, can you just replace me? I'm just going to say Richard 12 times. <laughs> you can, um, but no, so he is like completely wasted when they get to the house in Switzerland and they get into this big fight where E4 is like, dude, your life is out of control. I've never seen someone piss money away the way you do. And he's like coming from another one of our family members on the payroll. And E4 is like, I work for what I have. Um, they get in this big fight and then E4 goes off to start the house up and like he gets into the house and the lights aren't on. There's no electricity in the place. And it's, by the way, it's like a torrent, like the blizzard is crazy that they're in. It's, it's a crazy blizzard. Low budget, crazy blizzard. And Everything's wa- <laughs> dark. We're hearing noises. And he walks up the stairs and breaks his he breaks his spine. E4 can't walk anymore. Like his brother like drunkenly ruined his life, which is why I look back for like if Richard did AA, which 
I think he might have at some point in his life. Like, can you imagine what his like amends and like his fucking yeah. laundry list of shit he's done that because of his drinking it was affected by this? Sybil, Eeyore. I know. <laughs> look, he uh, look, he was white knuckling in this movie because then he's doing it like he's quitting drinking for Lent. Yes, yeah, and they're having this for- happy scene. He's like at a party. No, thank you. I'm quitting drinking for Lent. In his mellifluous voice, it's like. If you're a drunk, if you're quitting drinking, maybe don't tell everyone at the party so proudly. So then E4 dies and then he goes for the bottle. I think, well, here's the thing is, okay, yes. E4, uh, this is after Elizabeth hears someone calling her old and like out of date. Oh, like, she didn't like that one day. I heard when she was blowing her birthday candles out. Which yeah. Like, I think that's woman on woman crime. Like, I relate to incidents like that. Like, where you're just like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, That looked painful. And she ran back to her room, was crying. And then like the next day, his brother was dead. He was a drunk again. He's going to do Bluebeard. He's dating this like Natalie chick. Um. She started seeing Aristotle and NASA. Right. And then the timeline in this movie, now they're just racing ahead in time. Like now I have now we're in Africa. I have no idea what year it is. Oh, we've passed that now. We're in Bel Air. Uh she went to the Beverly Hills Hotel, checked in, and gained fifty pounds when she was dealing with this breakup. Um, I read that somewhere in the news today or whatever. Um, but she's holding her divorce papers. She calls Richard. What did I think? What did I feel? truth is practically nothing you know people forget that Richard and I were together for 12 years we did over 40 films together in that time Richard more than me but still I think that we were just exhausted you know I think we needed a break hello I just got the divorce papers are you sure we're doing the right thing Yes, I'm afraid we are. Did I desert you? No, I was the deserter. I am from myself. We should have just just stopped. Lived on a farm in Wales, on a boat, something, I don't know. Somewhere that we didn't have to perform. Then maybe, just maybe, I think we could have survived. Did I expect him to date again? Of course. I did. More than that. No. That broke my heart. And then this is when it gets like crazy. Liz at a party with her mom, who again is like completely socially inept. And she says to Liz like, Oh, like, isn't it crazy that Richard's moved on so quickly? Right, and right. And Lisa's like, yeah, I know he's dating a princess. She's like, I know, but I didn't think he'd get engaged. And I'm like, mom, like, how do you not know that she doesn't know that? That is such like, I mean, I guess they just couldn't pay another actress to like deliver that line. But like, Oh, that's funny. You know, like. First mom's dropping her off for an illicit lunch. Now mom's dropping the bad news. Like mom's playing both sides of the fence here. Yeah. So, um, oh, this is when her legs are slung up above her in the hospital. Um, Liz is okay. They get married again. Well, here's to the newlywed. Hey! 
Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Well, done, Mr. Taylor. Maybe you'll have better luck this time. Oh, the Lizzie Dick show doesn't need luck. No. No, what it needs is a new script. I was right. The audience ate it up. They love, they drink, they fight, they fornicate, they marry, they divorce, they marry again. Really, how long can this show run? But for the poor performers, the marriage was over in months. You know the lines, but they just keep coming out wrong. So painful to remember. So tiring. I suddenly feel so very tired. And then we go back to like my favorite, which is like the scene that we begin with always. And Richard is on his bed at home just after writing the letter. And Elizabeth comes down in her house and she's holding two dresses. And this is a very famous scene probably from your Twitter love of the movie. You remember the gif of this scene very, very well. But she's holding two dresses and she asks her mom what dress is better for the Sony party that night. And there's all of a sudden all these helicopters all around her. And she's like, oh, is it another one of those California fires? She goes and looks out the window. It's not. And then her mom's just like crying on the side of the couch. I don't know how her mom knew already. Mom knows. It's I don't know how that like how did the phone ring in the house and Liz didn't know. But mom is crying on the side of the couch and she's like, Richard just passed. And then Lindsay Lohan does the best fainting scene of all time best fainting scene outside of Lisa Vanderpump on Dancing with the Stars. It's like, it's, I watched it and rewatched it again today. And like, it's not that bad. Like given like the fact that they probably weren't doing that many setups and like they were doing a full blown, like a full face shot, pretty tight of her fainting. I don't know what she was supposed to do. That's rough because you know, she really has fainted. I mean, all I'm the sure, time, like you know? she, like she was, I mean, sometimes the real thing can just be like too real and people don't buy it anymore. Yeah. You know, but then, you know, it's a, a nice thing to bring it all together after that. She kept his letters. And I mean, yes, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's, that's basically it. Oh, I do want to get this press statement from Bernard, the accountant. At the request of Richard's widow and to avoid a media circus. Miss Taylor will not attend Richard Burton's funeral and will not be making a statement. Thank you. Richard's new wife saying like Liz isn't going to attend the funeral or make a statement, which I thought was like really cold. That happened? Yeah. Bernard came down to the driveway and told the press like Liz won't be at the funeral and she will not be making a statement per the request of the widow. Like everyone fuck off. And like he dismissed the press. But then Liz went um, to Switzerland to pay her respects to Richard at his gravesite. Um, and she's like weeping and she keeps repeating forever an ocean and forever an ocean. It's very sad. And like her wig is great here. <laughs> this is like, don't forget the wig because this is all going to come into our um, our scale that we do at the end of this. Forever an ocean. I think we balanced each other out. I think that the balance was what really meant the most. <laughs> I think that we both understood each other. And I don't think we'd ever had that. And without him, I didn't know what to do. I could feel that he really loved me. He just loved me. Here's your favorite part, that final titled card. Elizabeth Taylor kept Richard Burton's letters for the remainder of her life. That's love. 
Where are they now? I don't know. I would like to see an Oprah Where Are They Now about Liz Taylor's letters. I heard that the one letter that she wrote to Richard is was sold for like $35,000 in an auction a few years ago. Yeah, there was such a fascination with them. I mean, do we have anything like that anymore? Like, I feel like we have like sensational relationships like Brad and Angelina, but there's not like the up and down. There's not the like what like what's going to happen with these two it is right right crazy like the twice think. divorced twice married i can't think of recently and it is crazy to think of the fact that they were did had did 40 movies over their 12 years together it's also a crazy thing 12 years i mean it seemed like it could have just been four yeah by the way that they were i mean the way that i'm by the way this movie's and we just skipped around I mean, and also by the fact that like they were if they were that fucked up and that like chaotic for all of their relationship, the fact that it lasted 12 years is pretty remarkable. Well, they had a lot of support staff. They did. They did. Like she did say at the end, like, do you realize how little of our marriage we were ever alone? And I'm thinking to myself, I feel like, yeah, it's sad, but also says like, how, do you really love him? Yeah, you can't be alone. <laughs> um, so we are rating all of our movies. Um for our Tory Spelling Lifetime Lifetime Achievement Award, which we award to every movie, every, every one movie at the end of every season. It's going to go into our Hall of Fame, Mother May I Sleep with Podcast.com. Um, we rate our movies one to five, one being like the most like a legitimate movie. Like what's your favorite movie? Sincerely. Best made film. Oh, I don't know. I can't do that. I can never pick one. But that would be a one then you're saying. Yes. Okay. Okay. Best made film ever. One. Um, and then five being a lifetime movie. So um, acting. So we're picking five is the worst. Five is the most lifetimey. We don't. I don't but know. There's if we nothing. Call it the there's worst. nothing worse than lifetimey though. On well, scale. then you then then yeah no. There's nothing worse than lifetimey. So it's five would be. <laughs> or is there another word? So it's not that five is bad and one is good, or is it that? Or is it that five is more one campy? One is just like oh, this is a real movie that would play in a movie theater and okay. people would love it around the world and it would be cherished right. like Forrest okay. Gump and we may look back on oh, it God. and be like, well, that doesn't hold up, but like it was a great movie <laughs> okay. at the time. So acting five. You think it's a full blown five? Yes. I mean, I feel like Eddie Fisher really carried this for me. I'm gonna <laughs> and Sybil. No, I mean, I think I th- I'll go. I'll go with you on a four or five. I'm gonna give you a four. This wasn't the worst acting. It was pretty bad, actually. Oh you know God. what? You're right. Because my problem is well, that they're trying to play like it was Lindsay Lohan's effort to play a classy lady right. to do sort of sophisticated dialogue that was so embarrassing. And then Richard Burton's effort to act as if he's a stage star. Like, both of those things were embarrassing to me. No, you're right. I think that it is a five. It's just like, I we also watched the unauthorized Full House story, and that was really intense. So I think that I'm maybe coming off of that a little bit. This is definitely, you're right, it's a five. Underreactions. Um, something happened, and the character didn't... Uh, it, I, the character underreacted. They didn't react appropriately to the situation at hand. Oh, you're saying I should pick one or you're saying you want a number on a one on a scale of one to five because underreacting in general is a very is a very common trait of a lifetime movie. Really? So like. I don't feel like there was that much underreacting in this one. I'd say two. Really? I didn't feel like Sybil stood up for herself enough. And I felt like E4 came in at weird moments. I feel like if anything, people were acting somewhat appropriately to the insanity. Okay. Okay, I'll give you that. 
Okay, and then overreactions, which is like something happened, like just completely inappropriate overreaction. Oh, I'll go four. I mean, like, for instance, for them to have a fight and her to go for the bottle of pills right away. Yeah. That's an overreaction. And also, like, getting the ring out of him. Like, the way that, like, they, when she stood her ground about the Oscar, like, stop being such a spoiled bitch. Yeah. And then he went running right after her. I'm like, you know what, Liz? You could have given him 24 hours to lick his wounds. Like, you kind of could have. Like, it was a very strange, quick Uh. fight. Dialogue. Oh, and also, like, going out with Onassis was definitely a pretty, I may go to five on that, you know, with the overreactions. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Okay, I think we'll go with a 4-5. Let's do a 4-5 because I feel like it was very overreacting. Not just in real life, but bad acting. Dialogue. Three. Oh, okay. That's favorable. Like a lot of times this, they, the dialogue was embarrassing, but was made more embarrassing just because the actors couldn't carry it. You're right. And like Sybil was fine delivering the dialogue, you know? Yeah, she was good. It wasn't also... It also Sybil was fine. <laughs> yeah, Um. also... Like, there wasn't that typical, like, weird lifetime non-joke that happens all the time. Right, right. Wardrobe. Um, wardrobe is overall, and then there's two subcategories. Um, wardrobe. I mean, I think it's a five. I'll go four. You want to go? Okay. It wasn't campier, really. It, it, okay. I thought it was, like, I thought they went campy, and then they went cheap campy, which, I thought like, it was cheap. Me. I thought it was cheap sometimes, but I don't think it was campier than Elizabeth Taylor really was. Okay. And then wigs and weaves is its own category. I mean, it's a five. Except Richard Burton didn't really have a lot of wigs and weaves going on, did he? No, but like, but I think like Liz's wigs alone carried the film. Just her. But because it's just her, I'm going to go four. All right. I mean, I'll go four. I'm doing four or five. I'm like, I'm feeling attached to that. Makeup. I'm going to give makeup a four for this. Yeah, four. Again, if it were just Lindsay Lohan, I'd say five. You could tell Lindsay was like, like very much needed to do, like she needed to go to rehab after this film. Like she looked like, you're okay. It's okay. Yeah. Like she did not look well. She looked like like they were giving her more makeup every day. She looked like she really needed to detox. Like her skin would be gray underneath all that makeup. Crying. Um, Crying. That big overreacting crying scene. That you love in a Lifetime movie. Four. Four. Victimization of the female character. Three. Okay. You're right. You're right. You're right. Because like Liz may have been. I think it was really Sybil carried that as well. Like when she took back the night a little bit. Which. <laughs> and Liz, you know, that was, it was a <laughs> fair fight. It was a, yeah, it was a fair fight with, uh, with Liz and Dick most of the time. <laughs> and then my favorite category, font. Four. Four. Thank you. Because it was just like, I was, they could have, they were right there. So let's do that math, whatever that math is. I got, I got 38. It's 38? That might be our most lifetime movie so far. I mean, well, who else would have this movie? Um, I mean, there, I'm, Tori Spelling has done a lot of good work for, I mean, I haven't watched all of them, but like, I know my, my name is Steven is a big one. People I guess I mean like that Betty Broderick story like this one. There's no network other than Lifetime that would have done it. Seems like is that true of some of the others? I don't know. I mean, I feel like we're exploring a uh, no. I mean, no, actually, Lifetime does a good job of not dancing in the Hallmark territory. Okay. They used to try to maybe around the Christmas time, but it would always have like some sort of dark undertone. 
I do watch a lot of Hallmark uh, Christmas movies. You like those? Not exactly. <laughs> what do you get out of them? Do you really watch them? I Again, I'll, I'll watch them while I do other things, and I'll tweet about <laughs> them at the same time. They're just the plots of these Hallmark, Hallmark Christmas movies are so crazy. I feel like anyone who employs Candace Cameron is on my side. Right. It's also like who they consider to be a star is funny. That's very true. Um, John, thank you so much for being my guest Thank today. you again. I'm sorry that I chose a stinker. I did they all pick stink. this out of free will. No, they all stink in that really good way. It was. It's a good hurt. And <laughs> where can people find you online? Twitter. Come to me at Twitter. It's just my name, uh, John Levenstein. All right. You're the best. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye. <laughs> for listening to mother may i sleep with podcast we'd love to hear what you think about the show so reach out to us on twitter at mmiswp and while you're here why not smash that subscribe button and make us a part of your weekly routine if you want to go the extra mile leave us a review it helps our ranking in the itunes store and lets other people find the show and share the lifetime love Today's show was produced by Stephen Ray Morris with support from Christina Lopez. Molly Mae McMahon from Six Peaks made our logo. I'm your host, Molly McLear, and you can find me across social media as Malls or on Snapchat, Malls Official. Until next week. GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more. Nowadays, trends and news cycles change faster than we can blink. But there are some things that withstand the test of time. And if you're looking for a connection to something timeless, and maybe also a glimpse of life at a slower pace, I believe everyone can relate to the very human experiences explored in Jane Austen's novels. And that's where I come in. My name is Alison Larkin. I'm a writer, comedian, and narrator and host of The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin. I spent a lot of my childhood in the part of England where Jane Austen lived and wrote, and now that I live in the States, nothing gives me a sense of homecoming quite like narrating her books. On this show, you'll listen to award-winning narration. I'll give myself a pat on the back for that as well as conversations with actors, writers and other fascinating people who all share a passionate love for Jane Austen. So please, join me as we embark on a wonderful journey through Jane Austen's work. 
Be sure to listen and subscribe to The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin wherever you get your podcasts.